So this morning, I'm down as the preacher. Um, you won't be hearing me speak for 20 minutes, also explaining one passage from Scripture. Today you'll find we've got lots of passages from Scripture, and I'm going to be speaking three times. So short, sharp messages interspersed between the readings and the songs. Now, educationally, that's possibly a good thing, because some of us find it difficult to concentrate for longer periods of time. But I'm also aware we've got a rather blended congregation here today, with some who may normally be at 9.30 and some at 11. So I also intend to involve younger people in answering questions as part of the talk. So if you'll bear with me with something slightly different, then I hope that we'll all get something from it. So, the idea behind our service today dates back to the 17th century, around 400 years ago, and a guy called Richard Elaine. He was a rector within the Church of England, but he also was considered a Puritan and non-conformist. So, there was some breadth in the Church of England, even in the 1600s. His idea was taken up and formalized by another Anglican minister in the 18th century, one John Wesley. And it was in 1755 that he first used this form of service. How do I know? Well, one of the amazing things is that Wesley kept a journal. His journal is available online if you've got the tenacity to actually search through it. And day by day, for all of his ministry, you can find where he was and who he was speaking to. I haven't actually gone through his journal to find this out, but it was in 1755 that he first used this form of service. He used it in what he called the French church in Spitalfields, which was a Huguenot church and now is probably Christchurch Spitalfields, part of the Holy Trinity Brompton group. And he estimated that there were 1,800 people present. The service then became a regular feature of the Methodist year, either on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day or the first Sunday of the year. So we're past Christmas, heading into New Year, and we are having a service here that's relevant to the New Year. So could I have a volunteer to carry the yellow microphone? And just check the yellow microphone is working. So... The question for anyone, children of any age, what things do we normally do at New Year? I would welcome any suggestions. Yes. So. Well, we stay up very late until midnight. Yep, stay up till midnight was on my list. Any others? Other ideas, please? Contributions. What do you do for New Year? Sometimes. Fireworks. I hadn't thought of that, but yes, I'm sure we'll hear some this evening. Other traditional things, possibly from different parts of the United Kingdom. Yeah. Make resolutions. Make resolutions. We'll stick with that. Anyone, let's go through the rest of them. Anyone sing any particular songs? Uh, not singing a particular song, but uh, a very cold swim. Oh. <laughs> yes, I'm sure some do. And David at the back. Sing old Lang Syne. Sing old Lang Syne. Stay up till midnight. And 
one of the features of our New Year's Eve has been making predictions about the future year, writing them down and then looking at the end of the year to see how, um, how well we've done in those sort of forecasts. There's one thing that hasn't been mentioned, which is a real feature of New Year's Eve and the start of the new year. It's making New Year's resolutions, resolutions Christopher. Yes, thank you. That's all for the moment. Um, so, making New Year's resolutions. And in the New Year's resolution, we make promises. We make promises. And as children will know, if parents promise something, they have to provide it. That's part of the laws of the universe. Except sometimes there are conditions. If you tidy your room, then you can have access to the Wi-Fi. If you do one thing, then there's another. So sometimes the promises are conditional. And in our prayers and readings today, there's another word used for promises. It's covenant. This, today's service, is taken from the Methodist covenant service. Covenant has stronger implications than our regular use of promise. And a covenant, in legal terms, has more specific ramifications. So I encourage you, as we go through in our hymns and readings, to take note of what's said and pick out, because I will ask more questions as we go through, about covenant and how it applies to us today. Not just today, 2023 or 2024, but today, this very day. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Eleanor, for running around with the microphone. Um, let's stand to sing our first hymn, and uh, this is our great longing as a church, and I trust your longing that Jesus Christ be crowned as Lord of all. Now we have three readings from the Old Testament, and the first one comes from the book of, book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, beginning of verse 9, and it should come up on the screen. The reading of the law. So Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, in the year for cancelling debts, during the festival of tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your homes, so that they can come and listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children, who do not know this law, must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. And then we turn to the book of Kings, the second book of Kings, chapter 23, and beginning at verse 1. 
Then the Lord, then the king, called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, and all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes and degrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. And then our third reading is taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, beginning at verse 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband for them, to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and, I, and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So we've had a series of readings, the first set of readings about the law and the covenant. Now, in two kings, and I've left my notes with the page numbers, so I'll just get that. So the reading from 2 Kings, which was on page 394, gives us some idea about who is involved in making this covenant. The first person who makes the covenant is the king. And is he doing that for himself or his people? I think that in this instance, the king himself represents the people and the whole nation and makes the covenant on behalf of the whole community, which is then followed by the people also pledging themselves to the covenant personally. So the promises that we're talking about today, we can take them personally, but they also apply to us as a worshipping community, as a wider Christian community, to renew and follow commandments and to look towards our God. And I was struck by, in the earlier readings and the later readings, the idea that it will be from the least to the greatest. This isn't something special for some people and not for others. 
the greatest, whoever or those who may think they're the greatest, and the least, the young ones, the children, those who have yet to learn. And thinking of learning, in Deuteronomy, the scriptures talking about children and those who do not know the law needing to learn to fear the Lord their God. Uh, and this is linked to the land that they are crossing the Jordan to possess. What's really exciting as we go through these readings from the Old Testament, through to David, through to the covenant that he makes in the temple, to follow the Lord, to keep his commands, statutes and decrees with all his heart and soul. In Jeremiah, we get the first hint that there's another covenant yet to come. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. A new covenant, not like the old covenant. And what's special about this one is that it says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. This is a shift from having to learn and to remember and do. We now have the opportunity in the new covenant, which we'll come to later, no longer will we have to teach neighbours or talk to each other about knowing the Lord because they will all know me. They all have the opportunity to know God. They have the opportunity to be in direct contact with God in a relationship. So we're moving, possibly we're moving from a legal relationship of knowing and doing to much more of a human relationship, a relationship when we're walking in our lives alongside God. And he promises... For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So we're looking to a new covenant. We're coming on. There's an Old Testament covenant. There's an Old Testament covenant which is used by the king and the people, the nation and the individual. And God is promising that there will be a new covenant yet to come. Approach that in the next episode. The first New Testament reading is taken from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, and it's on page 1083 in the Pew Bibles. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your joy may be so that my my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And the second reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 to 25 and it's on page 1217 in the Pew Bibles. One Peter chapter one, beginning at verse eighteen. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Thank you, Justin. Those words bring us very firmly into the New Testament. And in John's, in the reading from John's Gospel, Jesus weaves the idea of the covenant, the promise that he brings with him throughout the passage. There were two points particularly that struck me. One is that he talks a lot about remaining and staying. This isn't just about coming to belief. It's about maintenance. We have, may have made some commitment, but Jesus here is talking about if you remain, 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 stay, continuance. So it's not wrong for us to actually renew a covenant. We may have made a commitment previously. We have a chance to remake that commitment, to make a deeper commitment to think more about the commitment that we made a long time ago. The second point is that this really is one of those, if you do what you're told then, 
if, if, if you remain in me, if you keep my commands. And we're being told this, not just for fun, but so that our joy may be complete. There's something in it for us. And this joy sits alongside love and peace as the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Peter writes about obeying the truth so that we can have sincere love for one another. So there we are. It links with love, fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And that we're born again through Jesus, the living and enduring Word of God. And I'm coming back later to the word enduring. Because Peter quotes from Isaiah, um, a book which is familiar to most of us from sermons prior to Christmas. So Peter quotes Isaiah 40, verses 6, verses 6 to 8, um, about all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. But the final line, the word of the Lord endures forever. And the purification which we've sung about in previous verses, we are born again through the living and enduring word of God. This isn't something that happens once. This enduring nature, like the ancient of days, is from the beginning, as far back as we can go. And it lasts into the future as far forward as we can go. This is not something trivial or in our time. It's in God's time. And there's a lovely idea throughout the Old Testament of the steadfast love of the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord, unchanging, eternal, forever. And forever is quite a big concept and excites physicists a lot. But it really does go on and on and on. It's bigger than any of us can imagine. So, I want to take a short break from theology. Um, I don't know if anyone would be prepared to own up to the types of New Year's resolutions that they actually make. Or, hypothetically, what New Year's resolutions do you imagine people might make? Do you want to, would you mind, if, if we have any takers who are prepared to, this does not need to be personal, you can say something that you imagine someone else might concede as a New Year's resolution. So, what ideas do we have for the typical New Year's resolution? No ideas. Ah, hurry. Do more exercise. <laughs> ah, exercise, yes. What other topics might there be for resolutions? At the, right at the back in the prayer room. So, yep, fitness, gym. And how long does gym oh. membership usually sort of hello, last? Hello. I... I, my New Year resolution is to learn a new musical instrument. A new musical instrument. That, that's a good one. And I think that that also comes alongside the need for practice. So that, that takes some sort of commitment as well. Other ideas? 
Anyone at school got any ideas of what they might do more of in the coming year that they haven't done previously? <laughs> yeah, well, doing homework, practicing the piano, all of those, that's fine. All of those are great ideas. But if we're looking and thinking of making promises about things like a gym membership that might last us for about six weeks, um, fitness, going out for a walk every day for a short period, um, other things that we think are important and we make promises about, look at what's on offer from God. And think about what sort of commitment we could make there. The offer includes being born again. Sins being forgiven. Love and joy. And I imagine a resulting inner peace. That's God's promise to us. And that promise isn't a sort of six week flash in the pan. This God's promise endures forever. So although our human promises in the new year may only last a few weeks and may be forgotten by the end of January, I encourage us all to make a commitment today and to keep it going for the rest of the year and not to fade before the end of January. What do we have to do? We meet together today as a congregation. We can make a commitment in words together and as individuals making a promise to God to put a seal on the covenant with him and I pray that all of us are able to enter into this prayer both those renewing a commitment and others who may choose to make a commitment like this for the first time and if that is you making a commitment for the first time I would encourage you to speak to Simon, to Gideon, to me or another church member and share your good news later after the service. So now, my encouragement is that we all are able to enter into this prayer and to make a commitment. Thank you, Neil. Just to give you a, an opportunity to... Uh, look at the, the prayer we're going to say together. It's that bold section on the sheet. There's some words of introduction which I will say um, to exhort you. But just take a moment just to read over that. We don't want to put words into your mouth. We'd love to encourage you while here to make that commitment. But uh, let's have a read first and again take the sheet home later. sisters in Christ, the Christian life is redeemed from sin and consecrated to God. Through baptism we have entered this life and have been admitted into the new covenant of which Jesus Christ is the mediator. He sealed it with his own blood that it might last forever 
On the one side, God promises to give us new life in Christ, the source and perfecter of our faith. On the other side, we are pledged to live no more for ourselves, but only for Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. Today we meet, as the generations before us have met, to renew the covenant that binds us to God. Let us make this covenant of God our own. Therefore, we go to Christ and pray together. Let me be your servant under your command. I will no longer be my own. I will give up myself to your will in all things. Lord, make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and with a willing heart give it all to your pleasure and disposal. Amen. Going to continue.